Thanks for listening to the Highlands Message Podcast. Whether you're new to Highlands and are listening for the first time or you want to hear a past message again, welcome. Our heart at Highlands is to lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus so you can have a life full of purpose as you grow in your faith and lead others to Jesus. We hope you enjoy and are inspired by the latest message from one of our communicators. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for today. Lord, we never came here really for information. We came here for transformation. We didn't come here, Lord, because we want more facts. We need another Bible verse, another sermon. God, we came because there's a world that is crying out for Jesus. Most of the time they have no idea that's what they're looking for. And God, we've come so that we can take this hour or whatever it is and we can hear You and our life can change and You can move us forward. I thank You, Lord, for Highlands and for this community of people because it's not a building and it's not a complex. It's a community of people that love You and are united around one purpose, to make Jesus the most well-known name in this region. We thank You for it. We thank You for all that You've done. We thank You for the decades of sacrifice, of sowing, of generosity, of people giving time and energy and resource to seeing You do something. Lord, it was never about building buildings. It was always about creating a platform for You to speak. And so, Father, I pray today that You'll help us I thank You, Lord, that the best days of Highlands are not the ones in the past where we can show the photos, but they're the ones where the picture's not yet taken. It's the ones, Lord, where we're not even sure what it's gonna look like, but we believe You will be with us and You'll take us there. I thank You for all the people in this church that have been on the journey a long time. They've seen so much happen, good and bad, but they're still here with hungry hearts. We thank You that You'll speak to us today. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Great to be here and I'm not going to spend too much time telling you how much I love you all. You just have to take it for granted. Uh, Growing up in uh, Tara, I was saying to my nephew this morning, it was in the first service, one of them anyway, I said I had the best upbringing you could ever have growing up in Tara, out in the bush and I'm still a child of the bush. I love the country and love the outdoors and where I live, there's snakes everywhere and all the rest of that and I just love the whole thing of it. But more than that, I thank God that He took me when I was a very, very shy uh, little country boy. And I remember encountering the Holy Spirit. I took my wife, she wasn't even my girlfriend then, but I took her to this charismatic conference at the University of Queensland. I didn't know the particular group. I didn't know, there was probably a famous preacher that day, but I cannot remember one thing that he or she said. I could still sing you the songs that they sang. I remember the worship and feeling like this must be what heaven is like. And uh, I was profoundly touched. I did not know about the baptism of the Spirit. I didn't know about the things of God. I I grew up in an evangelical church, which I'm glad for, but there was no thought that God would do miracles today. And uh, so... I remember going to this thing with Rhonda. I took her because I knew she was a really good Christian and she would protect me. And that's the honest truth. That's why I took her. I thought she'll stop me doing, you know, getting involved with a cult or something. And I remember going out of there going, I go, this is what I'm meant to find. This is what I've been waiting for all my life. And I, somehow I knew you had to be born again. 
No one told me. I just knew you had to be born again. So I went back to my evangelical church the next Sunday. And fortunately, I don't know if they did it every week, but they gave an invitation to accept Jesus. I, I knew I had to, but I, I, in those days you had to walk forward and sing a song. And you didn't sing the song, they did. And uh, I remember saying, God, if they sing it one more time, I'll go. And they sang it one more time and I went forward. And then I went to Peter and Rose Kempster's house in West End in Brisbane. I just finished playing basketball. I was sweaty as all get out. And I stood out the front on their front porch and I said, Jesus, if this isn't of you, chase me out of there. And he didn't chase me out and I went in and there was this little home group. That's why I love home groups. I'm in this little home group and, and then Peter Kempster who was an ex-Catholic priest married to Rose Kempster, who was an ex-Catholic nun. And they were a part of Christian Outreach Centre. And this is true, all this is true. And Grant Windle, who was one of our first pastors, he was there. Uh, he'd gotten saved. He's playing uh, worship to rock around the clock. We're gonna praise the Lord till midnight. And, uh, and, and then Peter said, Jeff has come tonight for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I went and I knelt because I thought you had to kneel to pray. I thought God couldn't hear you if you were standing up. And so I knelt down and I still remember the, the absolute flooding of the Holy Spirit into my life and the change that took place. And uh, I, I just thank God for all those moments. I thank God for all the people that were at the right place at the right time. So I wanna read to you from the book of Esther, famous story and she's well known for Christians, but some of you might know it. Esther is a young Jewish girl in a time where they've been taken into captivity into Babylon and they are an oppressed people. Literally their, their life was worth very little. Well, let me read it to you. You'll get some idea of what it was like. It says, Then Esther spoke to Hathak and gave him a command for Mordecai, who's her uncle. She's been adopted by the family because her parents died. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that any man or woman who goes into the inner court to the king, that's where he sits on his throne, who has not been called, the king has but one law, that they'll put, put them all to death, except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter, that he may live. She says, yet I myself have not been called to go into the king for 30 days. She said, he hasn't asked for me, so they told Mordecai, her uncle, Esther's words. She's saying, it's too dangerous. I don't know if I am game to go. I'm frightened. I'm not sure I can lose my life. And trust me, the king got rid of the first queen with very uh, uh, nary a thought. It was like too bad for her, off of the head. Uh, and on it goes. Mordecai, listen to this. Because I, I love Australia. I love all the countries I've been to. I've lost count. There's lots. And I love them all. I'll be in Cambodia the week after next again for the 30, I don't know, something time. And as much as I love all that, but if you were to ask me, what is the greatest burden I carry on my heart? It will be for this nation of Australia. I cannot believe that God wants to save India, but not Australia. I can't believe that God wants to save the Ukraine, but not Australia. I can't believe that God wants to save Cambodia. We've got three and a half thousand children and over 10,000 people that are a part of what God has raised up in that nation. It's a phenomenal thing. I will go to Copic and there will be, I don't know, 9,000 people will be there in that place. And it's all amazing. But I can't believe that God wants to do that there and doesn't want to do it here. I can't believe that the answer to our nation is more political division 
division, more activation, more Christians getting worked up about the things they don't like. It seems to me that we live in a time like Esther lived in where the influence of her people was getting less and less. And as I travel around this nation, I watched over the last couple of years a rise of, of, of disregard and even contempt for the church. And I don't feel like, I, I said to Rhonda, I feel, if I feel it in the atmosphere, I'm not being political at all. I'm saying, I think there is an enemy of the Gospel. There is an enemy to the good news of Christ. And uh, if Christians gather all the time around the things we don't like, we are going to miss what God wants us to see and to do. And we're going to treat church as a place where we retreat from the world rather than as a place where we get equipped to change the world. And so I want you to lean in today. This is not the same message. Well, it is, but it's just not the same thing as I said in the first service because I feel sitting here uh, this morning that God wants to say something to Highlands about who you are. It, I've always noticed that Toowoomba, Toowoomba reminds me a bit of Jacob's Ladder. Uh, Toowoomba is one of those places where it's the, been the birthplace of a lot of religious movements. It's been the birthplace of a lot of political movements. There's a lot of stuff has started in this town, in this city. And it seems to me, again, I was, I was actually walking around yesterday morning. I woke up very early and went for a walk and um, hardly anyone else was about. And, and I, I remember kind of feeling like God wants to do something fresh. And this is one of the, the places that God is going to erupt upon the city of Toowoomba. And so I want you to lean in for this and think, God, what's my role? Because see, Esther's saying, I'm scared. I don't know what might happen if I step out of my comfort zone. You know, I, things could be very bad. And lots of us know there's a lot of pressure right now for you and I to stay silent. And I'm not talking about politically. I think there's almost, if I can, if I can be this bold, I think there's almost too much of Christians wanting to wave a flag and not enough of Christians saying, let us pray to change this world. And again, I'm not saying that, well, I haven't got time to give you all my motives. Uh, Mordecai answers, listen to this. Mordecai answers to Esther. Do not think that in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than in all the other places where the Jews live. He says to her, watch this. He says, don't think that your comfort zone will keep you safe. Come on, because some of us, we think if I don't step out, I'll be okay. If I stay in the place where I'm comfortable, I don't speak up. If I don't take the risk of faith, if I don't do that, I'm gonna be okay. I, you know what I mean? I, this is my safe place. And he says to her, it's not safe at all. If you remain completely silent this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. I love the fact that Mordecai says, God will do what God intends to do. God will do, God will do it across Australia. I've got no doubt whatsoever. I do not believe that the best days of the church are back in the days of Hillsong Conference when it was the number one tourist attraction in the whole of New South Wales in any year. 
I don't believe that that's the highlight of the church. I don't believe the highlight of the church is the early days of Reverend Johnson when Wilberforce got together with the uh, Anglican Evangelical Society and sent him to Australia so that there would be an evangelical voice with the First Fleet. That he started the first school and was the first person in this nation to educate Indigenous children at a time when everybody else gave them no time at all. But I don't believe that that's the best days. I don't believe the best days is the days of 1956 and beyond when Billy Graham first came to Australia and filled the the stadiums there in Melbourne. Or when as I was a young boy in Tara, having him carried by landline because there was no video or no YouTube back in those days. And I remember we met in the police station in Tara and down the landline came the voice uh, of Billy Graham. But I don't believe that that's the best days. I don't believe the best days are now we sit here in this magnificent auditorium, part of an incredible complex of Highlands and Pastor Ken and Mora. What absolute, if you do not love these pastors, then you have no idea what on earth has taken place in the leadership of this place in the last 12 years. Amen. I think they deserve your appreciation, your love. Trust me, if you don't love the pastor you got, God will send your worst one. <laughs> Amen. So love your pastors. Give them a big hand right now. So we love you, Kenamora. But you know, I feel like the Holy Spirit was speaking to me earlier and I leave this for you to judge. But you know, Kenamora, where you look and go, boy, this has been hard work and this has been hard yards to get here. And wow, now look. And I feel like the Holy Spirit saying, son and daughter, that was just the start. That's just the scaffolding. Don't think that the building or what I wanna build is finished. There is so much more to take place, so much more to happen. You have built the framework, but I'm about to build the house. And I'm telling you, if you and I can hear this today, and if you are a member of Highlands, I'm preaching to you today and I'm asking you to lean in and to give your resounding yes to Jesus and say, Jesus, I didn't come here to be a church member. I did not come here to pay my tithes and to enjoy the beautiful worship and to look at the magnificent tech and to follow along with the message on the Bible app and go home and say, well, that was pretty good. I didn't mind that, but that bloke, glad he's not here every week or some other such thing like that. But God, I came here because I desperately want that my nation will be different. I desperately want that my neighbours will know the joy and the peace of following Jesus. Jesus Christ, God, that we won't just prosper as a nation, that we won't just have a better standard of living, but God, that there will be a better spiritual standard of living right across the nation of Australia. God, if You do not pour out Your Spirit as You promised on all flesh, then God, You are being partial. God, all flesh means Australian flesh. All flesh, God, means Toowoomba flesh. All flesh means all of the darling down flesh in Jesus' Name. God, will You pour out Your Holy Spirit upon this land? Because God, I'm telling you, we've got more problems and more difficulties and more challenges than anybody could ever imagine we would have. We're the most educated people has ever been on the planet Earth. And yet our rates of suicide, domestic violence and all manner of mental illness are higher than they've ever been in the entire history of our nation. And I don't say that to be dramatic. I say that because it's true. 
I got a, an ambo in our church at home and he tells me he gets mental health call outs to children as young as eight. And he, he looked at me one day and he said, he said, Jeff, what's wrong with our world? He said, when a kid of eight needs the ambulance, what's happening? And I said, well, we as a nation have embraced the gospel of prosperity. And I'm not talking about the prosperity doctrine. I'm talking about we've embraced the gospel of a standard of living. We just want a bigger house and a better car and the rest of that. And we've ended up with empty souls. And we've ended up with empty souls that no longer nourish people around about us. We're living in in our own cocoons, our own boxes. We live off our social media and I'm all for all that stuff, tech, I love it. However, I'm here to challenge you. Esther is thinking, I'm safe so long as I stay in here. This becomes my safe place. And Mordecai says to her, you won't be safe there. If you don't rise up, who can tell if you haven't come to the Kingdom for such a time as this? But here's the thing for this, you've got to understand. Esther is nothing more than a beauty contest winner. Esther is not a leader. She's not trained in speaking. She hasn't gone, she hasn't got a a, a master's degree in anything. She hasn't got a degree in anything. She's just literally a beauty contest winner. They held a beauty contest through the whole country and said, let's find the prettiest girl to marry the King. And she's the winner of it. That's all she's got. Apart from a godly heritage, she's got nothing other than she's pretty. And Mordecai says to this girl, who's got zero ability, zero talents, zero experience in the political arts, in statesmanship, in how to negotiate. She's got none of that at all. And he looks at her and he goes, maybe you've come to the Kingdom for such a time as this. And see, I look at you and you go, I'm just a farmer or I'm just a student or I'm just a young mum or I'm just a young dad or I'm just a whatever. And you look at yourself and go, well, you know, I haven't got anything, Jeff, I'm just me. And I say to you, but what if you have come to the Kingdom for such a time as this? What if, come on, are you there? What if, what if, come on, because I wanna crack through the, the little hard nut of familiarity with you where you think I know me, where you think to yourself, well, I can't because, and I wanna crack through the hardness of that and say to you, if Jesus calls you, if Jesus calls you, if Jesus calls you, if Jesus calls you, then you can. And, and 2 Timothy tells me that we are all saved and called. Amen. I'm called, I'm called, but I'm not called because I'm a preacher. I'm called because I'm a Christian. I'm called because Jesus found me when I was that young guy who just got kicked out of university because he never went enough. <laughs> Literally, I was smart enough. That wasn't the problem. But I did, I, my character wasn't there and there was an emptiness inside of me. And so I went to that conference and I heard those people speaking and I knew I had to be saved and my life got transformed from that moment on, you know, and then got baptised in the Holy Spirit and, and all the things that began to unfold when, when Clark back in the day stood up and he said, I need someone to volunteer to work for free to look after new Christians because there were so many of them. And I had long hair back in the day when Christians didn't. And uh, I had one pair of, good shoes and I wasn't wearing them on the day. I was wearing the pair of thongs that I had the dog bit the back off. <laughs> and I walked up to Clark, I'm serious. I had, I, it wasn't a cool thing for a Christian. I walked up to him and I shook his hand at the door and I said, I'm your man. And God smote him blind. And he said yes to me. 
And I went and quit my job in the bank that I'd gone to after getting tossed out of uni. And I went and quit my job at the bank and, uh, and <laughs> turned up to work. He sacked me three months later. He said to me, you are the most undisciplined individual I've ever seen in my life. He said, you need, this is true, sacked me twice. He said, you need to go out in the real world and develop your life. Three months later, it was, or two months later, he came to me and he said, I want you to stay. I said, really? He goes, I've never seen anyone change that much, that fast. Because see, listen to me, God, God listen, God's got something for you. But as long as, we keep on going, well, God, when you're ready, come on, Lord, one day, one day, my Prince will come. One day, I'll find my love. And so many Christians are hoping that heaven, I've got a friend of mine who says Jesus is coming back on a Thursday. Every Wednesday, he says, it's Thursday tomorrow, Bill. He calls me Bill. I don't know why. I call him Bill. I don't know why. It's not his name. And every Wednesday, he says, he says, it's Thursday tomorrow. And every Thursday I ring him up and I say, he's not back. My father, when he was 99, said to me, Jeff, there's still so much to do. He was in a retirement village, sitting in a wheelchair, gathering around all these people. And he said, there's still so much to do. And I said, you'd better hurry up. <laughs> I asked him when he was 99, I said, Dad, does turning 100 mean much? Are you looking forward to it? He looked at me, he said, oh, son. He said, it's just another number. He said, I don't have yesterday to serve God with, it's gone. He said, I don't have tomorrow to serve God with, it's not here. He said, but I have today to serve God with. And I love that. And I think, God, I want when I'm 111 and I've only got nine more years. <laughs> when I get to 111, I wanna be saying, oh Jesus, what adventure will we go on next? What can we start on? I hope now, I have not even said anything in my notes yet. There's pages of them here and they're really good Scriptures. It was a really good message. Get a copy of the first one. It was really good. <laughs> but I felt like this morning, I don't know who you are, but I don't know most of you. Some of you I know. Now some of these characters down here. Some have been around almost as long as me. Some of us, we carved our initials on the inside of Noah's Ark. That's how long we've been around. I'll, I'll just hurry to the end because I see my time's going and I, I just, I, I really pray more than that. I pray God will grab your heart because I look around and I go, well, you know, I, I haven't even done it all right. I can tell you lots of things I've done wrong. I can tell you all lots of my stupidities, but I still find that the grace of God keeps calling me to more and saying it's never too late and you can keep on going and there's more for you. Don't be one of those people that goes, well, when I get a job, I'll serve God. When I get married, I'll serve God. When my kids are grown up, I'll serve God. God, when I retire, I'll serve You. Because too many people, by the time they get through all their when-imes, they get to the end and they're finished and they've got nothing to give God now. They've used up all their own time and they've used up all their own energy. The reality is that this beauty queen, it's not even about her. The whole book of Esther is not about Esther. Because if you read the end of the book of Esther, you'll discover that the entire people, God's people, end up being in a place of influence and power. So the story of Esther is not about anything other than what God can do with an insignificant beauty queen 
who's got nothing to commend her but good looks. Now, most of us here, that's not our problem. But maybe for you, it's just go, well, you know, I'm not that good at that. I'm, not good. I'm only good with my hands. You know, I can make stuff. Who can tell if you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Some of you here, you love to pray. Well, maybe you come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Don't ever go, well, my prayers don't mean much. Really? Oh, you can change a nation. Amen. Let me finish by reading you out of John 11. It's the story of Jesus' friend, Lazarus, who's sick, but he's so sick that he dies, which is very sick, really. And they put him in a tomb and Jesus turns up three days later and they're all cranky at Jesus because they go, Lazarus' sister say, if he'd been here, it's your fault. How many times do we go to God and go, God, you didn't turn up when you should have. And he goes, yeah, but I had something better in mind. Amen. So he finally turns up and Lazarus has been in the tomb for three days. Verse 43. Now, when he had said these things, Jesus calls him and he cries with a loud voice and says, Lazarus, come forth. Now, I've got to ask you a question for a minute because most of us have been to funerals. We've seen people that are dead. And this much I know about being dead is that when you're dead, you know you're dead. You know, like, can you imagine Lazarus? Hi there again, by the way. Are you Hiram's daughter? I thought you were. You got a family resemblance. I love your family. Known you for forever. I think I remember you when you were but a child. Back to Lazarus. Lazarus! Jesus calls. Lazarus goes, what? Nah. I'm imagining it. I'm pretty sure I'm dead. Am I dead? Yeah, I must be dead. I remember it was a big heart thing. Yeah, but I remember the pain. And then I went. <coughs> I remember it. But see, when Jesus calls, isn't it true there's something different about Jesus calling you? It's not like your mum. Come here. Jesus has this way of calling you that makes you want to come. Isn't that true? I, I quit my job, went and worked for the church for nothing. My family all thought I was nuts. They still do. But I did it because how do you explain? Come on, Sona, how do you explain Jesus calling you to this? Huh? You know, people must look at you and go, really, you could do better than this? Really, you could certainly find a nicer boss. But how do you explain to somebody, you know, what are you doing this on a Sunday for? Really? You should be at the beach. Oh no, there isn't one. You could be water skiing at Lake Helidon. Is there still one? I don't know either. But we look at all this stuff and somehow or other Jesus calls us. And so Lazarus gets up where he is. I'm praying today that every single one of you, I'm not asking you to quit your job. Matter of fact, most of you shouldn't because you might be lousy in another space and you're great where you are. God's not asking you to give up anything necessarily out of there. Maybe you will too, I don't know. 
But maybe God just saying, would you just say yes to me where you are? You know, He never waited for Lazarus to get out of the tomb to call him. He called him while he was in the tomb. And He calls you while you're in where you are. And there comes Lazarus. But Alec, you're gonna be my volunteer for today. Thank you, Alec, for volunteering. This is my volunteer. Look at this. What a trim, taut and terrific young thing you are. Gracious, I hope when I'm as old as you. I think he's younger than me, but actually. Anyway, you know, Lazarus comes out and uh, we'll, we'll start there, put it under there later. But see, Lazarus has got anxieties about his place in the world and what's going on. And Lazarus, like this says, he's so self-conscious. You're not self-conscious, are you? Yes. Yeah, too bad. <laughs> I haven't got time for you to be worried today. What about fear? There isn't a human being who's not afraid. I've been scared spitless more times than I can count. Afraid of everything, afraid I'd fail, afraid people would laugh. But you know what? Risk is not when you take a stupid step, risk is when you trust Jesus, amen? So fear takes a back seat, but many of us have carried it there. Here's the biggie, what if I fail? Because there isn't anybody here, you say, I don't care what people think, you're a liar. Because you all do. That's why you got all dressed up today. That's why some of you change your outfit four times. Oh, I thought that'd go better with that. These shoes look good with this. That's just the men. <laughs> what about I can't? It's all too hard. What about this one? You'll never think this, Alec, will you? I'm not good enough. Have you ever thought that in your life? No, you haven't, Feber. You just have always gone through with amazing confidence. You think you're incredible, don't you? I know you do. It's because you're married to Sona and she tells you every day, she says to you, oh, Alec, you are my dream boat. And you keep thinking, I hope she doesn't wake up. What about this one? I've never done that. I was thinking yesterday, nothing I ever did, did I do it before I did it. When I learned to walk, I'd never done it before which is why I fell over all the time. But my parents never said, oh, poor Jeff, he's hopeless at that. We'd better stop him. We'll carry him everywhere. They never did that. They just kept on saying, go on, fall over a few more times. And I got there. I've never done this before. I'm not ready. Have you ever been ready? I've never been ready. Oh, look, here's anxiety again. I put it in twice because... You knew you were there and fear, that's for you as well. And Jesus calls, I'll, I'll be finished in 30 seconds. Jesus calls this man out and then He says, but you've got to take off the grave clothes because it's not enough for Jesus to call you. You'll never be what God wants you to be while you're going to allow all this stuff from your teacher in the first grade, the third grade, your parents, your next door neighbour, your first boss you ever had, your failure at university or some other course you did, the business failure that you had. You're never going to get to where Jesus wants you to be as long as you're going to stay wrapped up in all this. The problem, Alec, is we've got too many Christians that are on the inside called, but on the outside, they're uncalled. They're still wrapped up in yesterday and they're still wrapped up in, in the stuff someone said and the opinions of others. Hello, somewhere along the way, you've got to go, God, if I'm called, let me let the called bit shine and forget the rest. And so they said, loose him and let him go. They said, he's not gonna be able to do it. He can't live a cold life while he stays there with all that. 
And they said, loose him and let him go. Are you with me this morning? Come on, I don't know about you. I know I'm called, but I've just worn these things way too long. I've allowed the things that somebody else stuck on me. I've allowed them to tell me what my future can be. I've allowed them to tell me how much God can use me. Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank You right now in Jesus' Name for every person that's here, a part of this service, either online, they're listening to a recording or whatever. And God, something inside of them is speaking to them and saying to them, oh, I'm meant for more than this. Who can tell? Maybe I've come to the Kingdom for such a time as this. God, I pray right now, will You touch? Come on. If that's You this morning, I want You to respond to God. I really do. I don't, I don't believe, let, don't, why would you let shyness stop you? If that's you, just lift your hand before God. You say, Pastor, you're talking to me today. You're talking to me. Lift your hand up wherever you are. Come on, all over the building. I know it's more one or two or three or four. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Just if that's you, you say, Pastor, I'm gonna tear off the grave clothes. I've had enough of wearing this nonsense that someone I inherited, my mum, my dad, my school. God, I'm taking it away. Is there anybody else before I pray? that's you, just lift your hand and say, God, I'm saying yes to you, the future you have for me. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I see you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I see you. Father, we thank you for all that you're going to do. You're not asking us to become someone else. You didn't ask Lazarus to become his sisters or a friend or a neighbour. You said, I want you like you are, but I'm going to loosen you and let you go. Father, thank you for that in Jesus' Name. Just while heads are still bowed, eyes are still closed, some of you here may say to me, Jeff, I, I've never given my life to Christ. Jeff, I'm not really a Christian. I, I'd like to be, I'd like to know Jesus. Maybe you've met Christians and they turned you off or maybe you met Christians and they're the reason you're here. Doesn't matter. If you wanna say yes to Jesus, I wanna pray with you before we do anything else in this service. For a hand back, if that's you, you say, Jeff, would you help me? Would you pray for me? I want to become a Christian. Would you lift your hand so I can see it? Put it back down again. Then I'm, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm just going to help you today. Is there anybody like that? Just wherever you are. If you slip it up, I'll see it. And I'll pray for you. Young, old, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter about your background. You might have been christened as a baby. You've never been to church. Either's works. Say yes to Jesus. Then Father, we thank You for this day. Father, I thank You for Highlands and for what has been the scaffolding, what's been the setup to the future. Father, I feel like You're gonna call this church so that times of prayer become times of encounter with You. Not where we tell You what You should be doing, but where You tell us what our next step is. Father, I thank You for the outpouring. Pastor Ken, I cannot get away from this. I feel like there is gonna come such a fresh, anointing a mantle or whatever you want to call it over your life, that's gonna, you're gonna walk with a new authority that you've never had, where doors are gonna open, doors of government. You're gonna go into places where people are in places of great power and they're gonna tell you things and they're gonna say yes to things and they're gonna say to you, I don't, watch this. They will say to you, I don't know why I'm saying yes to you. I've always said no before. But God is gonna open up phenomenal doors in the life of this church. You are, this church is gonna have an Australia-wide impact. It's not about just Toowoomba. It's not just about a school. It's not just about a local church. It's bigger than that. God wants to do even more in the Name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Highlands Message Podcast. 
We hope you feel encouraged to take these words with you to know God, find freedom, discover your purpose and to make a difference. If you feel moved by today's message and want to connect with us, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at highlands.au on Facebook or Instagram or head to the highlandschurch.org.au website for more resources and information. Be sure to follow the Highlands Message Podcast on your preferred platform to stay up to date with our latest message. We hope to see you in person soon.